Hello, everybody. It's your host, Jack Healy. And today on the Gotham Sports Machine, we're talking New York baseball with my co-host, Mark Healy, and our guest, Yankees fan, Dan Strafford, a longtime friend of Gotham baseball and a former co-host of my dad on Going Nine Fantasy Baseball. We're going to talk about the second half outlook for the team in the Bronx, and we're going to get Dan's take on the Mets run at the postseason. So how are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing great. I gotta say, there's like a, a meta thing happening here, talking to you and your father at the same time. But uh, glad to be here and look forward to chatting. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I always used to tell Dan uh, that when he was the co-host of Going Nine, that uh, I selected him because he was a lot smarter than me. Well, you know, uh, it's the opposite with me and Jack. Jack is a lot smarter than me, so I don't know why he picked me to be his co-host. But, <laughs> you know. Uh, Maybe I, I make everybody laugh with uh, some of my takes, but uh, it's great, great to be uh, talking with you, Dan. Yeah, same. So with the pretty exciting All-Star break, we got some good, pretty good All-Star game, got some a very exciting home run derby for us Mets fans with Pete Alonzo winning it. And it definitely gives you a sense of just getting ready for the postseason. Now you, now we want playoffs. Now we want, you want the deadline to happen. You want it. You want to make a deal, get it, get If you're a Mets fan, get an arm. If you're a Yankees fan, try to salvage something like it's, it's tough. Who do you think is going to be more active at the deadline, Dan? That's a great question. Uh, I mean, they at least is really close. I don't think the Yankee, the Yankees aren't a team. We know their history that are going to give up anytime relatively soon. I think the Mets need less, right? I think the Mets roster is, is close to complete, maybe an arm, maybe a third baseman. If, if one becomes available, I have to think the Yankees are really active trying to find starting pitching uh, and trying to figure out the outfield, right? Like the, the outfield situation, Gardner being an everyday bat with Hicks injured. So I think the Yankees will end up being more active of the two teams. Definitely. So, a, yeah, no, you got it. You got it. No. So, you know, when I, when I think about, all of the criticism that's been weighed on the Yankees, Dan, uh, specifically, I, I think for the first time and rightfully so towards Brian Cashman, it's not the first time people have been critical of Brian, but I think this time when you look at the way the team was constructed and, you know, the refusal of Hal Steinbrenner to really give, um, you know, Brian, a, you know, more flexibility uh, in raising the luxury tax, if Brian had to really be creative this offseason, I did not think, I, I do not think that he was as creative as he could have been and has made a couple of real stinkers uh, as far as decisions on how this roster was constructed. You know, I don't love Aaron Boone as a manager. Uh, you know, I, I do think he lacks uh, some tactical, um, you know, skills. But I, I think if you're going to put this on somebody, you got to put it on Brian and, uh, as a Yankee fan and somebody whose opinion I respect very highly, uh, do, you, do you trust him to, to, I guess, make the moves that are needed to get this thing turned around in the second half? Well, the big critique of Cashman has always been, what has he done, right? Like, what, what has Cashman built uh, that didn't involve spending a metric ton of money? Uh, the, the 90s championships, everyone points to Stick Michaels, and the 2009 championship was just a team that was loaded from top to bottom. And other than that, it's been failures. I, I think he tried to go bargain shopping with Kluber and Tyon and, and get a, a 
one or two of them to work out. Kluber's, you know, injured. Tyon's been who Jamison Tyon's always been. And, and so I, I, I don't trust Cashman necessarily to get this done. I don't know what moves they're going to make, though. Is it a Zach Davies out there? Is that really going to move the needle and make them more uh, competitive against the, the Rays and Red Sox and, and the Blue Jays? I don't I don't think so. Um, I, I think they I think Hal Steinbrenner put a, a weird soft cap on the Yankees. Uh, that if this was the NBA, you know, say what you will of the process. It hasn't really worked out, but there's a distinct line in the sand of from here, we are rebuilding. The Yankees are in a weird rebuilding mode right now that their fans don't really know what to do with. I don't think Cashman does either. And so I, I think this roster is going to struggle this year. And I think even next year is going to continue to be this sort of weird combination of no names and your Coles and Stanton's and judges of the world. Uh, and it's going to be very similar to the Yankees teams of the eighties, a uh, very similar in, in stature of names, but also results. Something they haven't really addressed in a while. And you're starting to see it now in the worst way is getting uh, just an outfielder that can actually field mm -hmm. like you're just seeing the worst way now. You're, they're all they got, or all, the, all these huge guys with big bats and big arms. And if you don't have someone to protect your gaps, you don't have someone with a glove out there who can patrol the center in center field. You're gonna get killed for it, and it's yep. shown this year. And it's also shown that it's not worth it to just load your your all your power hitters in the outfield. You need a guy who can hit for contact and just get on base for you. And if they don't target someone like that soon, it's just going to be a huge problem for them for me. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Jack. I think Aaron Hicks was supposed to be that answer, and he's the ultimate when healthy guy, right? Like, he's the guy where you watch him play and playing defense. You're like, oh, he he's good. He's really good. Um, but he's not healthy. And that's, I hate the injury-plagued term. I think it's a misnomer 95% of the time, but eventually you have to look at the guy and see how many games played he has each year. And it doesn't average out to enough. Um, Gardner is not the answer. Uh, he has a softer arm than Johnny Damon did. Um, judge is good. You know, judge is good, but he's not to your point hitting the gaps. Like he's six foot 15 or whatever, however tall he is. He's not going to run nearly as fast as you need to, to do that. And, the defense isn't as good as it needs to be. I, I don't know if that happens at the trade deadline. I, I don't know if that is a move they can make. I don't know uh, really who might be available in that light defensively. You're not going out and trading for a Billy Hamilton because the bat is so bad. Uh, the, the White Sox can deal with a, a Hamilton because of how good they are. Um, but yeah, I think you're spot on. I think they've ignored defense. They've ignored. And you look, Mark, you know, we just talked about this up the middle, right? You want catcher, second, short, and center. That's where your defense is. And you look at Sanchez. Torres has struggled at short largely, and they don't really have a center fielder. Uh, so it's not surprising they're losing games in blowout fashion or in come-from-behind fashion, the 9-8s to eights and 12-8s to eights that they've been losing this year. What's, what's really frustrating when you talk about that, and I'm glad you brought it up, Dan, about, about that up-the-middle, um, you know, decision-making process, you know, Torres has never looked comfortable at shortstop, not once. I mean, he's never looked comfortable, uh, you know, and, and his offense has clearly struggled. You know, when you go across town, you see Lindor, uh, who, you know, signed that huge contract, 
he hasn't allowed his offensive struggles. You know, obviously this is not the guy that the, the Mets signed up for. And I bring him up because he has struggled offensively. Yes, he's hitting better in July and the end of June. Uh, he certainly looks a lot more like the player that the Mets thought they were getting, but he's never allowed it to affect him in the field. He's never allowed it to affect his leadership on, on the team. And it right. just seems to me like Torres is a completely different player than he was two years ago. And that's, that's, you know, that that's frustrating. And the same, the same goes for Frazier, you know, here are two guys that, you know, Brian Cashman, you know, hung his hat on that when they were, you know, transforming the team, making it younger, uh, that these two guys were going to lead uh, along with Gary Sanchez, we're going to lead the new Yankees uh, yep. along with Aaron judge. So to me, Torres and the, the, the center field question are huge holes that I don't, I don't know how they're going to fix them. Yeah. I, I don't see them fixing them in season. I, the, the whole Frazier, his whole career with the Yankees reminds me of old school Baltimore Orioles pitchers where the Orioles would just screw around with their starters so much in the minors and bring them up and send them back down and try to change things. The Yankees sort of tried to slow play Frazier by bringing Gardner back, by moving other guys into the outfield, bringing Stanton in. And I don't, I don't know, but I wonder if that stunted his development. Actually, it actually harmed him more than helping him develop over time. He's had injuries. Now he's, I think the last I read was vertigo is what he's dealing with. He's getting vision testing, all sorts of different stuff going on with him. Uh, and Torres, Torres was really good. I think it underscores how good Didi Gregorius was for this team and, and how much of a linchpin he was two years ago, three years ago. And you talk about mistakes with Cashman. I think letting Gregorius walk is probably one of, if not the biggest mistake of the recent years by Cashman. Um, he didn't sign for all that much in Philadelphia. Wasn't going to be a huge problem, but they decided to move away from him. I'm not even on the, I think a lot of people complain that the Yankees don't have enough lefty bats or any left lefty bats at all. I don't care about that. Judge Stanton, uh, Voight, they all hit the other way. The short porch is used, but Gregorius was a calming influence on the defense, was a very good lefty bat and clearly, clearly was better than Torres defensively. So I, that's the one that sticks with me all the time of where things have gone from that point, uh, from that moment in time, you know, the butterfly effect of not signing Didi Gregorius. It's much larger than I think a lot of people give credit to that situation. Yep. And the, th the thing that sucks so much about that is that you're not going to sign Didi Gregorius, who proved he's a Yankees guy, yep. who proved he could step up for you in the big moments. But you're going to give – I love Giancarlo Stanton, too. You're going to give Giancarlo Stanton all that money. And he not only does he not just play defense that great, he's barely on the field. Like right. It's like – you have to be smart with who you give these huge money. Like, yeah, I, obviously they, did, they didn't sign him to that deal, but they still took on the money knowing how much they were paying. And he, he's having a fine, you know, Stanton's season is fine, right? but you're paying him X amount more than so many other players on your team. And it, it, I don't want to go money ball with the Yankees, but you, if you watch the movie or, or read the book and or even just know the story, how they were replacing Giambi and how they were replacing the big names was by piecing together the, the sort of uh, statistics, having that much in money invested in Stanton, that much money invested in Cole and Hal Steinbrenner saying, well, we're not going over the luxury tax. 
that ties hands and you're going to piece together uh, a pretty poor roster. It's, it's the same in fantasy sports, right? You draft early and you're dra- or you're you know, playing in an auction, spend a lot of money on a couple of guys. You better be really good at mining the one in $2 buys in fantasy baseball, because otherwise you're going to have a pretty terrible roster when all said and done. You know, it's funny. I was just going to say how it shows how good the Mets are with Mm -hmm. their money this year and how they, those one, $2 things, those cheap money deals they made and they made good on because they got guys with value. I I think uh, Jack, I love the Mets roster. Uh, I'm not a Yankee fan who hates the Mets. I've never understood that. Um, I, I love watching the Mets play bunch of my friends from from home are, are Mets fans and so we talk about it a lot the roster construction of the Mets is that of a team that can do real damage um you know you talk about I love James McCann you talk about uh Pilar you talk about uh, Nimmo and Conforto that's a really solid defensive and offensive outfield when needed um and then I you know we talked about Lindor shortly he's gonna be fine yes his batting average stinks yes that is true but all of the other peripheral numbers are right in line with where he's been most of his career. And, and whether or not, I know Mark, you and I have argued about uh, Sabre stats in the past, but his BABIP is down, you know, his batting average on balls in play is down. That's going to come up over the course of the season. And that means his average is going to come up over the course of the season, simply because of the way it plays out, plays to the back of his baseball card. Right. So I, I love the Mets. And if the Mets go out and make a move uh, for a pitcher or, or for a third baseman, I really think they're going to be that sort of roster construction that really can make a, a strong run in the playoffs. Well, you know, Jack's a lot better than numbers, a lot better with the numbers than I am, Dan. You know, math is my kryptonite. So sure, that's why, sure. I mean, that, I mean, honestly, it's like I always tell people, you know, sabermetrics for me is like the nail gun that I'm not allowed to use. Um, <laughs> but but I, I think what you're seeing with the Mets and Alderson in this second, Sandy Alderson and and you know, and his staff, I think what you're seeing is that because he was used to having to find mm-hmm. uh, diamonds in the rough, he doesn't have to go back and forth with ownership the way he used to. Uh, the Wilpons were awful in the sense that they never set a budget. They never, uh, and they were in the middle of it, you know, uh, unqualified, right. uh, you know, unqualified, unqualified family members were running the baseball operations department. So Sandy Alderson, always had a check with Jeff Wilpon before he made a move, which, you know, some people would say, well, you got to check with ownership. You you really only have to check with ownership when you are going over what your, what your, the budget that you were given. How any business is run, right? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And when, and when Cashman went to Hal Steinbrenner and asked Mm -hmm. for more money over the budget, he was denied. Now, nobody really made a big deal about this, but I looked at it as, you know, how's like, look, I've given you hundreds and millions of dollars. Like mm-hmm. at some point we have to get over the hump. And what the Mets have been able to do is that they have found, I mean, look at Jonathan VR. Yep. Look at, look at that guy. I mean, he's come out of nowhere. I mean, when they picked him up, the only person that really spoke about him that I, I was like, well, who's this guy? He's not going to point. Where is he going to play? You know, you had McNeil, yeah, you had McNeil at second. You had, you know, you had uh, J.D. Davis who looked like he was going to be the third baseman. Right. Uh, Jonathan VR is going to hit more than J.D. Davis, you know, and we'll, we'll figure it out with the defense since we had Lindor. Um, you know, it's signings like that. Luis Rojas was the first guy to say, oh, yeah, Jonathan VR, we're going to use him in a lot of spots. And I was like, really? 
okay, if you, you know, and, and, and that proved to me early on that Rojas knew what he was doing as far as talent evaluation. So, yep. you know, it, it, it's, it's the other thing too. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, and again, you know, this is something that people frown upon, but to me, the Mets are fun, you know, uh, the Mets are way more fun uh, than let's say, you know, the Yankees, the Yankees mm-hmm. have not been fun for a while. Nope. Nope. There's not much personality from the Yankees and there never has been right. Like that's the Yankee way, shave your beards and cut your hair short. And we're going to play like a corporation, right? That's always been, or at least my lifetime, who, who they've been. I think the Mets have heart, right? And that's not it's subjective, but they're fun to watch. And they are getting to a point where that fun to watch makes a huge difference in the play. And you mentioned Lindor and his leadership before one of you two did. And I think that's part of it. And I think Pete Alonso going to win the home run derby again is a huge thing too. And I know people are going to say, oh, post derby, you know, swoon. No, he's fine. He's a home run hitter. He's not Bobby Abreu. Right. Abreu was somebody who went out and was hitting home runs at a higher pace than he should have been before the home run derby, went to the home run derby and then fell off the earth because he's not a home run hitter. Yes, he was a power hitter, but not Pete Alonso is a beast. And so I think Alonso is going to be that guy to catalyze this team and continue to tweet out uh, LFGM. Right. And I think that's huge, too. That's a, a nice culture thing the Mets have going. The Yankees just don't. And. For me, the thing I love about Pete so much is how much passion he shows. He showed it during the home run derby, how locked in he was and how much he wanted it. And when you're in something like that, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want them to get hurt. You don't want them to do something stupid, but you want to see that in your player. You want to see that they're locked in. You want to see that they want to win. And he just showed it not passion. on a different level. Different right, passion. Level yeah. Yeah, have a passion, have a care. And I, again, this is a culture thing. It's the way the Yankees run. And if you want to talk about them as businesses, the Yankees culture stinks, right? Like, yes, people want to go there to win, but I think more and more players are realizing you can win in a lot of different places. Uh, and it is about culture and having fun. And I know some people don't like them, but I love the Lindors of the world. I love Fernando Tatis Jr. I love Vlad Guerrero Jr. because they're having fun. And when you watch someone having fun, it's kind of hard to not have fun too. Now, if they're on the other team, like I don't want to see anyone on the Red Sox having fun because I can't deal with that. I hate them through and through. Uh, but when it's on a team, maybe you don't necessarily care as much about. It's awesome. And I think it's great for baseball. And the Mets are, are a great team right now. And DeGrom exudes it too. DeGrom exudes it a different way. But his smile when he's pitching and he knows he's on is one of those moments where you're like, oh, oh, damn, he's striking out 16, isn't he? This, this is happening because he just knows he's on today. Um, the Mets are a, a lot more fun team to watch right now. Um, and I, I think it's, it's a credit to uh, new ownership. I think it's a credit to Sandy Alderson. And I think it's a credit to a fan base that has stuck with them. You know, there are ups and downs, uh, but that fan base is, is legitimately one of the best in uh, Major League Baseball and deserves this sort of run. I just so. I don't know what you guys see, but I, I think they need one more piece. I know Jack, we're talking before we started recording. I don't know if it is a starting pitcher. I don't know if they get somebody like a Zach Davies. They're getting Carlos Carrasco back, which I think is huge. I think that was another great move uh, by the Mets front office. Um, I don't know if they go get a Bryant or another guy to take over third base, or it's just, Hey, let's see what we have here between a VR and a JD Davis and, and the rest of the season. And let's get Lindor hitting better. And all of a sudden you don't need to add anyone. You're just, 
you know, getting better from within. You know, I, I know you have to go, Dan, uh, but I did want to clarify something. Um, you're right. When, when, you know, the Mets, the Mets have a couple of needs, but I don't think that at this point, if I'm, if I'm Sandy Alderson, I'm looking at the fact that the National League East is not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it would be a division uh, that would be won by attrition. I thought that it would be, you know, a dogfight for most of the season, but the Phillies are clearly terrible. Uh, you know, the Marlins are shockingly not good. Yeah, they're, they're pretty um, awful. Shockingly. I mean, Washington is always capable because they have Scherzer, they have bright, you know, they have uh, players on that roster uh, that can get hot and that yep. could beat you. Um, you know, Trey Turner, of course, but you know, the Mets have gone through what they've gone through uh, showed that their depth was capable of not only keeping them afloat, but keeping them in first place. Yep. I would be very, um, I would be very um, skeptical of them giving away any of their top talent to, to get at Chris Bryant. I think that, you know, especially if it's a salary dump kind of a situation, I don't see the Mets overpaying for any, any, any improvements at this point. Do you agree with that? I do. I, I don't, I, Jack and I were talking before we started recording. I, I don't know a ton about the Mets minor league system right now. I, I know some of the names uh, at the top who I would not move for Chris Bryant because in the end is JD Davis at his best is what percentage of Chris Bryant right now? Like what, what would you say JD Davis at his best? could be 80% of Chris Bryant, 75, 70%. I really don't know, but are you, why mortgage the future? And yes, you chase championships each year. You're, you can't worry about next year. Who knows what happens DeGrom could get hurt or whatever it might be. Uh, but I, I don't see them making a deal just to make one. I, I see them making a strategic move. I do think I now keep saying his name, Zach Davies, I think is really interesting for the Mets rotation. If he's available. Um, I think he's that sort of consistent innings eater guy who goes out there every fifth day. I know all these are cliches, uh, but I think he would be a good addition to the Mets. If they can get Bryant for cheap, which means anyone can, by all means, right? You add a former MVP and, and batting champion w- without question. Uh, but I, I think I think this roster is so well constructed. I really do. I think there are tons of pieces uh, that can move around and be a part of a run here uh, that would really make make a big difference yeah looking at their top i yeah i mean you can't, you can't trade away pete crow armstrong because of what you did with kalenic um you, you i don't see them moving any of their top five or top 10 prospects for bryant but i've obviously been proven wrong there many times before of what i thought a front office would and would not do uh to try to make a run at the playoffs so i i will i will keep an eye on that one as we head towards the trade deadline the biggest thing for me to look at at the deadline is to make sure no one overpays. There's been yep. too many teams to just freak out and act like they have to just go and make something happen. And if, especially Met fans, you don't want to see them go and deal one of these top prospects. Like there's a lot, I saw a lot of chatter of God, maybe they should move Francisco Alvarez. And he looked sick in the futures game. Yep. Like, you don't want that guy. And they just drafted Kumar Rocker. You don't want to see those two guys be your future? Like, spot on. That's what I want to see. Yep. No, I think you're spot on there. I, I'm more intrigued by teams outside of New York and what they do. Do the Red Sox make moves? Like, the Red Sox roster should not be in first place the way they are, right? Like, when you look at this roster, yes, it's a team sport, fine, whatever you want to say, but 
it's just a roster up and down where you're like this, this team's overachieving. Do they go out and try to trade for someone to solidify their lineup and their rotation? Uh, do they make a move? Uh, same with the Dodgers with how many pitching injuries they have and the whole Bauer situation. Do they make moves to try to solidify a potential run towards the playoffs? And then the White Sox and, and the Padres and the other teams that have been playing, playing well and projected to play well. Do they, you know, make moves to try to solidify and, and make, you know, a run uh, same with the the Giants, right? Like the San Francisco, do they make a move? So I, I think there's going to be a lot of competition for moves. Jack, to your point, I think you're going to see teams overpay. They're going to have to because there are so many teams that are going to be trying to make moves. So I, I think the Yankees make probably overpay for one or two trying to get a pitcher. And I have a feeling the Mets stay pretty quiet and maybe try to end up back of the rotation guy, maybe a bullpen arm to help solidify the guys they have there. All right. Well, that's been another great episode on the Gotham Sports Machine. Thanks for coming on, Dan. It's been great talking with you. I appreciate you having me. Take care, Dan. You take care of yourself, buddy. Can't wait to hear you back on the air, my friend. I appreciate it, Heels. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys.